Hello, and thank you for listening to this week's podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbonnet, Illinois. This is the sermon for November 24th, 2019, the last Sunday of the church year. The sermon is entitled, But Do You Know? and is based on Luke, chapter 23, verses 27 through 43. It was preached by Pastor Mike Hanel. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever heard of something called counterfactual history? It's really a a game of historical imagination. You take some big event in history and you imagine what life would be like if that event had not happened or if things turned out differently. So, for instance, what would life be like here if America did not win the Revolutionary War? What would life be like if the South won the Civil War? What would life be like? How would things be different if John F. Kennedy had not been assassinated? There are people that get immense delight thinking and pondering questions like this because it gives them a chance to kind of untangle that web of cause and effect in history. See, it makes them understand how how important a single event can be in impacting the rest of our lives to this very day. Now, we as Christians, we know what the single most important day in history was. It's Good Friday. It's that day that we heard about in our gospel reading when Jesus went to the cross and died for our sins. Now, it Saturday service, I had a little bit of pushback. Some people said, well, well, what about Christmas? But again, just imagine that there is a Christmas, but no Good Friday. What would it have done us if God came into the world, but didn't fix the problem that was separating us with God, from God? Or what about Easter, they say? Well, again, imagine an Easter without Good Friday. If our sins had not been paid for, then where is the joy for us in Easter? See, Good Friday is a day that has so much importance because there is our forgiveness. There is the hope that we have. There and from there comes the joy of that Easter morning. The Apostle Paul recognized this. Paul was pretty famous for uh, the time that he spent among the Corinthian Christians. And he said that during his time there, he resolved to know nothing other than Christ and him crucified. Because for Paul, it all came down to the cross. If you understood Jesus but did not understand the cross, you really didn't understand Jesus at all. And it's interesting how Paul understood that there at the cross, this is the most important event that brings together God's great work of salvation. God's plan from all of history centers there at the cross. But if you go back to Good Friday, at that place, at that time, no one seemed to know what was going on. 
no one seemed to think that this was the central event of God's great redemptive plan. I mean, you hear it right out of Jesus' own lips, right? He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. I think every time we hear that line, it kind of rubs us. It, It kind of gets under our skin how people missed it so greatly. I mean, not just the people against Jesus, but even the disciples. They missed why the cross had to happen. They missed why it was so important. And so we always think, you know, if we would have been there, it would have been different. We would have known, we would have been there, and we would have understood what was going on in that moment. But of course, the only reason we say that is because we know better. We live after the event. We have seen the importance and significance of Good Friday, of the cross of Jesus. But let's be honest, if we were there at that time, we wouldn't have understood it either. See, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, all of those people that brought Jesus to his death, they did so because they thought that Jesus was a false teacher, a false prophet, even a heretic, somebody that was not teaching God's truth. Because they knew that If God were to enter this world, he would not say and do the things that Jesus said and did. It was pretty easy to reject who Jesus said he was to them. And they weren't alone. Everybody else operated by the same way. That they knew how God would act, or so they thought. And when Jesus didn't meet those expectations... They rejected him, or they didn't understand why he did the things that he did. So when Pontius Pilate, who was a Roman, he, he has nothing to do with the Jewish faith, he, he understands that Jesus considers himself a king, and so he questions him. But when he finds out that Jesus isn't a king, he doesn't look like a king, he doesn't sound like a king, he doesn't act like a king, he knows that he's not one. Because he does not meet that expectation. And ironically, the disciples shared a lot in common with the very people that were mocking Jesus. The very people that brought Jesus to the cross. Because they thought they knew how God would act. What God would do. And for them, the disciples that is, they could not understand how the cross was what God would do. Because this made Jesus look like he was some great criminal. Didn't God get it? Didn't God understand that he was doing something that was unbelievable to all of the people? This did not fit what they knew. When you start pondering that, how God does things that are unbelievable. You start getting to deep questions that that people have always been asking, questions about why God does things or why God doesn't do certain things. 
In our Old Testament reading from Malachi, we heard a few of those common cries. This is not a new question to ask. See, the people of that day, they wondered, what good is it to serve God? I mean, what what benefit do we get from serving God? Because they saw none. They said, it's the arrogant who are blessed in this life. It's the evildoers who are prospering. Even those people who actually mock God. They're not doing too bad in life compared to us. So, what's going on? Is this God real? Is any of this worthwhile? Or is this all in vain? Are we just wasting our time? Like I said, it's an old question, but... It's also a new question. It's a question that you've probably asked from time to time in your life. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Does any of this even matter? Is God really at work? I mean, you look at your own life, and you can be honest. You know you're not perfect, but you're here. You come to church, you pray, you read the Bible, you tithe, you give to the church in your time, your talent, and your treasure, but what good is it? Maybe in your life you've had a setback recently. Maybe a loved one has. You just don't see how God is blessing you. You don't see God's gifts being poured out into your life. You're not really prospering. In fact, it seems like life is getting rather difficult for you. So what good is it? We ask this on an individual level, but we ask this about our work at church too, don't we? I mean, if, if this word that we have is the word of good news, the word of salvation, why aren't people breaking down the doors? to get in this place, to hear that good news? Why is it that it can be so hard to try to get people together to do things in a part of our ministry? Why is it that sometimes it's a struggle for us to meet our budget? Look, if this is God's work that we are doing, why is it so hard? Why would not God bless our work so that it is easy, so that it comes naturally? If God wants this work to be done, then why are we struggling? Is God really at work, or is this all just in vain? Those are hard questions to ask. And I think that's partly why people have been asking those questions for a long time. And I know that there might be a lot of different answers that people have to those questions. But for today, for right now, I wonder if one way that we should deal with questions like that is before we try to get any answer, before we try to give any answer, is that we would simply admit that we don't know the full truth. That that we would have some humility and say, you know, 
I don't see everything. I don't, I don't see the big picture of everything that's going on in this world. I might see my life, but I don't know everybody else's life. I might see what's happening here in Bourbon A, but I don't know what's happening in the world. I might see what's happening today, but I don't know what's happening throughout all of history. It's humility that can say, we don't know everything. But bear in mind that what I'm saying is humility. And it is humility to say we don't know everything, but I'm not talking about ignorance. I'm not saying that we should say we know nothing and we can know nothing. Instead, the humility that I'm talking about is a humility that turns to trust in God and His ways despite what we think we know. You almost miss it in the Old Testament reading, but I think that's there. See, God speaks back the complaints that the people have against God, and then right after that, we hear about some who fear the Lord get together. In the Old Testament, talk about fearing the Lord is another way to say those people that, that trust in God and His ways. And these might have been the very same people that had those complaints earlier, but now that they hear God speak those complaints back to them, they start to realize maybe we spoke a little bit too harshly. Maybe we didn't understand everything. Maybe we're not God and we need to know our place. In our gospel reading today, we see another example of that. Although you don't hear all of it in this gospel reading, if you look at the other gospel accounts of Jesus' crucifixion, you hear about those criminals that are crucified along with Jesus, you hear how they join in the mockery, hurling insults at Jesus. But what Luke focuses on is how one of the criminals, who maybe at first was participating in that, he sees and hears something that causes a change of heart. What is it that he sees or hears? It seems to me that he sees how Jesus being so mistreated and mocked by the people there at the cross, speaks those words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This criminal sees Jesus' words and acts of grace. And it changes him. Because thereafter, he doesn't speak against Jesus. In fact, he speaks for Jesus. He defends Jesus. This man is innocent. He's done nothing wrong. And what is more, he speaks to Jesus. He says to him, Jesus, if you're a king, then remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. They're simple words, but they're words of trust and faith. 
despite not knowing and understanding what was going on, those words of faith reach out to Jesus, and Jesus' words are amazing. For Jesus doesn't say, yes, I'll remember you. He says, today, you will be with me in paradise. And those words blow us away. Take what you know or what you think you know about God. If you come to the cross, would you have predicted that one of those criminals would be with Jesus in paradise before all of this happened? I doubt it. But there it is. God shows us again and again that whether it's the Pharisee, the Samaritan, or this criminal being crucified next to Jesus, that all of them are loved by God, that Jesus died for all of them, that Jesus loves all of them and forgives all of them. And so maybe as we see that, it should humble us. Maybe we should realize God's grace is for all. I know we struggle with this sometimes. Some people we can forgive. Other people, I don't know. Now I know it's complicated. I know forgiveness and repentance must go hand in hand. But I think sometimes we're too quick to not show grace. We're too quick not to love others. But please understand that when it comes to grace, it can be messy. It doesn't always just show up like a flip of a switch. And you know this in your own life, for you have received God's grace, but sin still clings to you, doesn't it? You still fight and struggle. But you know what? We don't have to struggle with this knowledge. This knowledge of doubting whether God is at work. Because sometimes it just doesn't seem like it. Sometimes God isn't doing things the way that we think that he should be doing them. Because ultimately, salvation, it's not about what you know. It's about who you know. And it's about Who knows you? It's about knowing that Jesus loves you and died for you and shows his grace for you just as he does for all sinners. And I know that grace is a hard thing to understand because it's not just this static thing that you can study. Grace is messy. Grace is personal because ultimately, grace is a person. Grace is embodied there on the cross by Jesus, our Savior. See, what a gift it is for us that we don't have to imagine what life would be like without Good Friday. 
Instead, we get to hear the message of what happened on Good Friday and instead know how our lives are forever changed. Because that day is the day that all history was leading up to. And eternity flows out of that day. We get to look back to that day. And we receive the great comfort. The great comfort of knowing that even if we don't know everything, even if life doesn't always make sense, that's okay. God is at work. God is saving us. God is sharing his grace with us. Even to us who don't have it all figured out. For Jesus' words were not just spoken to the people there that day. Jesus' words are spoken to you and about you. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. As you hear those words, may God use those words. May they use... May he use those words to create in you the same kind of repentant humility that the thief on the cross showed. So that you can trust him. So that you can trust his grace. His grace for sinners just like you and like me. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and risen Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbonnais, Illinois. You can find this and other podcasts by going to stpaulslutheran.net and choosing an option at the top of the page. Thank you for listening and God's blessings.